0: Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL. The brand new Las Vegas Raiders. (laughs) This is the Raiders Wire podcast powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary and Raiders Wire editor, Marcus Mosher. See if Fitzpatrick can pull a trick out. He got hit as he lofted it up. Boom coverage! Matt Collins is inbounds at the 41. He hits it right down the middle. And the Dolphins somehow, someway take the lead with one second. It's hard
1: to swallow right now. It's a terrible way to lose a game. Um... Really admire the way we compete, but until we start closing out games, um, we'll continue to be disappointed. That's a reflection on me, obviously. I don't regret um, taking a a knee. We wanted to give the uh, Dolphins the ball with as little time left as possible, with no timeouts. Thought we did that. Uh, 19 seconds left on their own 25 yard line. they made a desperation play, and uh, we had a penalty on top of that. Inexcusable, and uh, I'll be happy to answer any questions I can.
2: Well, Marcus, that's how it ends for the Raiders in 2020, right? Uh, officially eliminated from playoff contention after that Really a miserable loss of the Dolphins. It was exciting for everyone staying up and watching that on Saturday, but it was miserable for Raiders fans. There's no doubt about that. I think as Gruden just said there as he was speaking after the game, there's a lot more questions and answers with this team, I think, as we kind of start to wrap up 2020, look forward to 2021. You start 6-3, and three, now you're 7-8. and eight. Man, what a drop-off, and I want to talk about it as we go here on the show. But I guess if the Raiders were going to bow out this year, that was a pretty spectacular way to do it, wasn't it?
3: <laughs> oh, man, John Gruden. He's got to be sick because this is easily the best team that he's had over the last three years. You know, in the start of the season at 6-3, and three, coming off a, a nice win against Kansas City, to not even really be in the playoff hunt by the time we get to week 15, week 16, That's a, it's an epic collapse. And unfortunately, this is what's happened over the last couple of years, and it's starting to become a pretty disturbing trend.
2: Oh, it's painful. There, there's no doubt about it. It's so freaking painful. And, it's and, bad. And we all bad. love Gruden, right? There's no way you can just look at Gruden and not and not love him. Even in a tough loss, you just watching him at the podium and and you feel for Gruden. You want something good to happen to him. And you know, even when you feel like he played the end of that game right against Miami, and we could talk about it, the Raiders find a way to just screw it up. And it just it's just unbelievable how how this happened this year. And for me, I was thinking about the season and. Just to tell everyone who's been listening, everyone who's been listening to us throughout the year, this is going to be our 18th and final episode of the season as the Raiders have been officially eliminated from contention. So Marcus and I are not going to keep coming on every week and just crapping (laughs) all over the Raiders. So, uh, you know, Marcus, I've had a great time doing the show with you all year, but we're going to wrap it up this week. But for me, I want to go back to a conversation we had weeks ago, weeks ago. You remember after the Kansas City win or -hmm. no, no, actually after the Kansas City loss, excuse me. We were feeling good about the team, right? They come out of that game against KC. They had it late. They lost it. Mahomes leads the Chiefs back. And after that game, we're like, we actually feel fine about the Raiders. They showed us everything we needed to see. They competed with the Chiefs. We feel like they're one of the best teams in the AFC. We feel like they're well-positioned to kind of compete for a playoff spot. We even said that, We thought they were a team we could trust, Marcus, right, after that Kansas City game. But I think one thing we didn't consider is what that loss might have did to the Raiders' psyche, right? They had the Chiefs again. They had their division rival. They had them on the ropes in that game. They let it get away. And then they go out against the Falcons and just completely lay an egg that next week, right? And they have not been right since Mahomes drove the Kansas City to that win. After that game, we felt so good about the Raiders, but maybe we overlooked the fact that, They've never really recovered from that comeback loss that the Chiefs put on them, right? I mean, do you think there's any validity to that, that the uh, the Raiders lost their swagger or something happened after that Chiefs game that they just haven't been able to kind of find that swag again?
3: Yeah, I think it happened on the defensive end. You know, Mahomes drove them right down the field, scored the game-winning touchdown, and it seems like the defense never rebounded from that. I mean, every single week, this is a defense that has given up a ton of points, And now over the last, I don't know how many games uh, they've given up big drives at the end of the game that eventually caused them to lose. I mean, we can go back to this week against Miami, giving up, you know, the field goal, you know, right at the end of the game, or against the Chargers, a game-winning touchdown drive in overtime, or against the Colts where they allowed 40-something points. It's just a defense that's lost all its confidence. And then on top of that, they're just not very good. So when you have a lack of talent and a lack of confidence, it's going it, to, it, it's going to come back to bite you. And I think, listen, I think that's what happened at the end of this game with Gruden. He had to weigh the the situations, right? Would you rather give the ball back to the dolphins up what have been five points with a minute left, or would you rather give the ball back to the dolphins up two with, only 19 seconds left and i I feel like gruden thought hey my defense is so bad let's give him the least amount of time to screw us over and that's what he did and unfortunately they they did one more time
2: yeah i know and i want to get into that late game situation here coming up but gruden's got to be just i know he says at the podium "Ah, i don't second guess it one bit but it's like jacobs literally slid on the ground he was going in the end zone right you're just like you can't help yourself but think Oh man! What if we did it the other way? Can we just see how that would have played out too? Like I don't. Well, I Gruden, think. I you know, mean, but my God,
3: Miami, Miami tried to let Jacob score. They wanted him to score. Yes. So I mean, typically you you want to do the opposite of what your opponent wants you to do. So I think Flores, uh, Brian Flores, the Dolphins head coach, knew, hey, let's let them score. We'll get the ball back and we'll drive down the field with a hot Ryan Fitzpatrick. But uh, that ultimately didn't happen that way.
2: And we we look back at the beginning of the year, they beat the freaking Saints. Right. They beat the Chiefs. They beat the Browns. It's just like, man, I almost feel duped by this team a little bit because they I don't know. I just I felt so good about them going into that midway point. And it's easy to forget. They beat some really good teams early in the year. And they were they were right there with all these teams. And then all of a sudden, just something happened. And maybe it was the defense, as you're saying. All of a sudden, they can't beat the Jets. You know, they they have to struggle to beat the freaking Jets. They get blown out by Atlanta. And every game is just a freaking struggle, and for them to lose all these games here, the, you know, the last three in a row specifically, when you got to win to stay alive, man, it's just it's just so painful.
3: Yeah, and I really think their biggest downfall was the injuries on defense. They they just got. I mean, it was it wasn't a good unit to begin with, but when they were 100 percent healthy, I think the defense was at least passable in most games. Because you look at like what they did against Cleveland only allowing six points. Uh, that's fantastic. But once they lost like a Cleveland Farrell to a shoulder injury, uh, Nick Kikowski, their star linebacker to COVID, uh, Trayvon Mullins and banged up, Damon Arnett's missed a lot of time. They, they just got to a point where the injuries were too much to overcome. Now they're playing a really basic defense with Rod Marinelli, their new interim defensive coordinator. And good teams can just pick them apart. Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's been around so long that he knows how to be the basic cover two defense. And he exposed them. And it shouldn't be all that surprising to Raiders fans.
2: <laughs> no, not at this point, which is which is so tough. So as I said, this is going to be our wrap-up show for the season. We're going to continue talking some big picture stuff. I also want to continue to talk a little bit about this Dolphins game because I think as Marcus kind of hit on a little bit, this game kind of it kind of hit some of the things that plagued this team all along on the nose, and we saw it coming up in this game. Let's talk about that a little bit more coming up next.
0: Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. Sit them, start them. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends at a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from TheHuddle.com.
1: Jorge Benigni of Huddle.com here to talk to you about strong plays for Week 17 of fantasy football season. This week, I'm not crazy about any of the quarterback plays. I usually recommend fringe options rather than the obvious, and none of the guys jump out as somebody I'm really willing to get behind. So instead, you'll get a two-pack of wide receivers this week. Green Bay Packers running back A.J. Dillon at the Chicago Bears. may seem like a no-brainer after he ripped off 124 yards and two scores in Week 16, but the Boston College rookie could have a bigger workload again this week. Running back Jamal Williams at a quadriceps injury. He was out last week. And it really doesn't make a lot of sense to rush him, especially if they want him back for the playoff push. The big body, Dylan, is an ideal asset in cold weather in late season football. And starting running back Aaron Jones is banged up as well. Chicago has given up four rushing touchdowns in the last five games. Indianapolis Colts wide receiver, Zach Pascal. In consecutive games, Pascal has had at least 64 yards and one or more touchdowns. He has six targets apiece in those games. The resurgence of wide receiver T.Y. Hilton has helped tremendously. Something else that will help, facing the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's more or less a modern miracle that the Chicago Bears didn't find the end zone last week. In the prior six games, wide receivers have scored nine times through the air and nine different times the wide receivers produce at least 15.8 PPR points in that window. Washington football team wide receiver Terry McLaurin is looking unlikely to play again, which would thrust wide receiver Cam Sims into a prominent role. With all the chips at stake, it's hard to imagine riverboat Ron Rivera wouldn't gamble on seeing what he has in Alex Smith even if he's less than 100%, considering Taylor Heineke is the only other option. Philadelphia has been atrocious against wide receivers in 2020, and the position has racked up five performances of at least 121 yards in the last six outings. Nine touchdowns later, Philadelphia gives Sims a favorable opponent for utilizing his 6'5 frame. Kansas City Chiefs tight end Nick Kaiser against the Los Angeles Chargers. The Chiefs are going to arrest all of their prominent starters, which means tight end Travis Kelsey won't play much, if at all. That leaves Kaiser to exploit a tremendous matchup. Five players have at least 11.2 PPR points in the last nine games against the Chargers, and six of the 10 touchdowns allowed have come in the past nine games. For more award-winning content from thehuddle.com, be sure to check out the website throughout the off season as we get you prepared for fantasy football 2021.
2: So, Marcus, I highlighted something that one of your Raiders Wire contributors wrote, Luke Straub. He writes, Taking a knee and kicking the field goal should have worked, sure, but it didn't, and Gruden's decision revealed that the Raiders are still dominated by their own past failures. They're more fearful of getting bit Than confident that they won't, and I think that was uh, I think that kind of hit the nail on the head of what I was thinking after the Raiders lost this game because they were so fearful of two things, right? And we saw it right at the end of that game. They were fearful of their defense, as you hit on, and they were fearful of their red zone offense, right? They never they never have faith in themselves to score in the red zone because they're always kicking freaking short field goals, right? They kicked another (laughs) twenty three yarder in this one. I had to look it up. The Raiders are twenty fifth in the league in red zone efficiency. So they've only scored a touchdown 54.39% of the time when they're in the red zone. That's freaking crazy. And they were under 40% in their last three games, all of them losses. And I think when you get into the, that red zone situation, yeah, I mean, Jacobs would have scored. He ended up sliding down. But I don't think the Raiders go into that situation ever really thinking touchdown. I think the whole time they're like, let's bleed the clock. Because mm. they just don't have confidence in a their offense's ability to execute in that situation, and then B, of course, leaving the team too much time because if they have anything, even 20 seconds, the defense is going to find a way to screw it up. So those two glaring issues really just continue to rear their head over and over this season. We definitely saw it against Miami. We saw it over and over.
3: Yeah, let's start off with the red zone thing because there's really no reason why this team shouldn't be among the league's best red zone offenses, right? Agreed. They have, I mean, I I don't know where we put them now, but a top – Ten offensive weapon in the league in Darren Waller, and I think you can even put him higher than that. He's I mean, so he's just freaking natural. good. And they he's never so good. Why don't they
2: target him in the uh, red zone, Marcus? <laughs> I,
3: I, I don't know. He has eight touchdowns this year. He should probably have double that. I mean, he, he's just a special, special type of player. And then you go out and you get somebody like Jason Witten. I, I, I don't know if you sign Jason Witten. I don't know why you're not using him more in the red zone. He's at least somebody who can you know, get open with route running and he can win, you know, with his big body use him there. Josh Jacobs is a fantastic goal line runner. Use him more there, but it seems like they're always trying to outsmart themselves when they get to the red zone. Right. We saw it last week against the chargers throwing on third down a pass to the fullback in the slot or, you know, out of the backfield. Why not? Why not try to use Waller and Jacobs more to, to boost up that red zone efficiency. I don't get it. But then on defense, you mentioned it. they they don't trust their defense at all. So, I, again, I think Gruden was trying to think, what's the best way that I can hide my defense to finish this game? Let's give them 19 seconds left from the 25-yard line. Surely we won't give up 60 yards in 19 seconds with no timeouts, right? It took them all one play to do it. So, I, I, don't, I actually don't blame Gruden at all for the decision he made. I thought he made the right one. But when you have that bad of a defense, I'm not sure it ever matters.
2: No, you did. You tweeted in real time. I saw your tweet. You said Gruden handled that perfectly. And then I think about a minute later, you tweeted, oh, no. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, no, no. It's saying it's Accelerators. You're going to blow this. Oh, man.
3: it's just it, That was a perfect game to summarize their season. I
2: right? agree because so much, yes.
3: Nelson Aguilar dominates. He was fantastic. Darren Waller was great. The offense was scoring points against one of the league's best defenses, but they struggled in the red zone and they couldn't get a stop when they needed it. It's just the story of the the 2020 Las Vegas
4: Raiders.
2: Yes, unfortunately. That is so true. And uh, you mentioned Aguilar. You mentioned, well, first of all, you mentioned Jason Witten, which is surprising because you look at the free agent list that they have coming up in 2021, Witten's like one of their highest paid free agents that's on the list, Mark, is they don't really have any big money free agents on, on their list for 2021, which means their money's locked up and a lot of these guys are going to be around for next year and, and some of them for beyond, right? So that could be something to look at when it comes to roster building and how to fix this team. A lot of these guys are going to be back next year. There's not a lot of high, high-priced high uh, free agents on this team. I thought that was fascinating. But also, one of the guys on this list who is not a high-priced guy is Aguilor, mm. right? And do you think yeah. he's earned himself – more time with the Raiders. Do you think they're going to try to work something out with this kid? They
3: should. I mean, in theory, they probably shouldn't because they drafted Henry Ruggs in the first round. They drafted Brian Edwards. You know, they have Hunter Renfro. Mm. If you really believed in your drafting and your developing, you know, abilities, you should let Aguilar walk, pick up a comp pick, and move on. But I don't. I don't think we've seen anything from Ruggs or Edwards so far. They give you a lot of confidence that they're going to be ready to be stars in 2021. So bring back Aguilar. It's pretty clear he's got a connection with Derek Carr. He fits into this offense as well. They're probably going to have to overpay him a little bit, and I'm curious to see what the number is and the length of the deal. But, yeah, I think they have to bring him back. I don't think there's any choice there.
2: It is wild to to think about their free agents next year. I mean – after you lock up Waller on that, like probably the most team-friendly deal in league history, Darren Waller yes. on the contract the Raiders have, we've talked about that in past episodes. There's no one on the books for next year that they'd have to really, you know, fight in free agency for. That's on their roster right now, like that making over like five million a year. How they're going to rebuild this team is uh, is kind of, especially on the defensive side, is really interesting. And I want to get Marcus's take on that. Let's do that on the other side of our sports betting segment. We'll do that coming up next. <laughs>
0: Why, why? It's that time again why? for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire.
4: Hello, I'm Esther McLaren of sportsfootwire.com and Bet and Podcast, joined as always by Jeff Clark, here to break down everything you need to know to bet on the Week 17 Sunday Night Football game between the Washington football team and Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles are one-and-a-half-point home underdogs. They're eliminated from the playoffs. Washington come in one-and-a-half-point favorite. They're looking for a win to secure an NFC East title and a playoff berth. But Jeff, I got to go with the Eagles. I like what we've seen from J1 Hurts. we got quarterback issues in Washington, a lot of other issues as well. J1 Hurts can improve that Eagles team from that loss they took against Washington week one. Yeah, as much as i like to disagree with you, I can't hear. I'm also on the Eagles plus one and a half. Their team's trending up to. St- despite a disappointing 2020 season. Now they turn the keys of the offense over to Jalen Hurts. And you know what they say, misery likes company. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles have been miserable for most this year since being eliminated from playoff contention. Now they get the end Washington season. I think that's motivation enough for them to come and rain on Washington's possible parade on Sunday Night Football. So give me the Eagles plus one and a half. You can get Philadelphia plus 100 on the money line as well for a little better value. Go ahead and parlay that with the under 42.5, minus 105 odds there. This will be a low-scoring game won by the Eagles.
2: All right, Marcus, you wrote about it on the Raiders' wire. A couple years ago, the Raiders and Gruden... They trade away superstar players. Khalil Mack, he's still doing it over with the Bears. Maybe not as dominant as he once was, but Mack's still getting it done. Amari Cooper, you know, he's still doing it. No matter what quarterback the Cowboys are out there, he's still doing it. Two really good players. The Raiders get a haul of draft picks for those two guys. And... This is the year that we'd love to see the fruits of that, right? And it just didn't pan out. And now it's like, how, how are we going to fix this? We no longer have this Hall of Pick, and so we have to rely on Gruden and Mayock to get it done. You wrote that it's time for them to kind of show that the league hasn't passed them by when it comes to scouting and team building. Uh, but it's safe to say, and you even wrote this, mm. maybe we have to worry that it already has, right? I mean, what do you think about that?
3: Yeah, I mean, look, let's look at those two trades really quickly. The, the Raiders traded... Uh, Khalil Mack and a second round pick, which still is crazy to me. They had to give away a second round pick in addition to Khalil Mack for Josh Jacobs and Damon Arnett. Now, Josh Jacobs is a really good player, but he's a running back and the positional value just isn't there. Damon Arnett has been one of the league's worst cornerbacks this year and has really, really struggled to stay healthy. So that's a, that's a pretty big loss right there. And then the other one, Omari Cooper for Jonathan Abram, Amari Cooper, another year of 1100 total yards. Uh, one of the top 10 receivers in the NFL, Jonathan Abram currently pro football focuses worst graded safety in the NFL. So those two trades alone have just crippled this team. And then when you add in some of the free agent signings that they've made between Corey Littleton, who's now one of the top three highest paid linebackers in the NFL uh, guys, paying guys like Bontez Perfect a bunch of money and he only played a few games. It, it, it's it's not good, right? I mean, the, there's only so much that this team can do over the next couple of years, given the cap situation, given their lack of draft picks heading, you know, going forward. So it, it's it's a big offseason off for Gruden and Mayock, and they've got to get it right in order to have any chance in the AFC next year.
2: Yeah, when you put it that way, I mean, it's one thing to say, "Oh, you know, they traded Mac in in a second rounder, but they got a couple first round picks back." And oh yeah, they tra- they traded Cooper, but you know, they got a first round pick. When you put it the way you did with the players they got in return, and you say, "Okay, we got Jacobs, and so it was a running back and a bad in a corner who's struggling for an edge rusher who's still kind of dominating." Oh boy, you know, like that. When you put it that way, it does hurt. It's more painful when you put it that way. Oh man. Yeah,
3: and then I mean, and throw in the the pick that the Bears got back from the Raiders ended up being Cole met, a tight end. He looks not bad. Not bad. I mean, at the very worst, probably a future starter. So it's just, it's really rough. And one of the excuses that the Raiders organization gave as to why they couldn't keep Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper was, well, we don't have that much salary cap space to, to give them, you know, big deals. Yet they were able to find money for Trent Brown and Corey Littleton and LaMarcus Joyner and Tyrell Williams and Antonio Brown. So it, it's just it's those two moves that Gruden made early on in his tenure uh, with the Raiders are really coming back to bite them.
2: Oh, there's no doubt about that. And then you kind of hit on it. It's like, do you think it's Gruden and Mayock? They they've really put a lot of pressure on themselves to hit in this upcoming draft, like 2021 draft. Like they gotta they gotta hit hard and you know win more than they lose in this draft because I think we're we're okay on the offensive side. They got a lot of pieces. Mm-hmm. They're young. I think we're okay with Derek Carr. We figured that out this season. I think he's fine. I think he's a guy, He's the guy to go forward. He's got to stop fumbling. He's got to figure that thing out. If he could stop fumbling the ball at an alarming rate like he has, he'll be fine, and he's yeah. a guy that could lead the team. But it's all in the defense. If Marcus were to advise Gruden and Mayock on how to fix the defense and fix their problems, is it, is it something more elaborate than just hitting the draft this year? Like, What do you think?
3: Well, here's the good thing for the Raiders. You mentioned the offense. I think the offense is pretty much set. I mean, you can add some depth pieces over the next couple of years, but you have your quarterback, your offensive line is playing really well. They got all those guys locked up under contracts. You bring back Nelson Aguilar and this is, you know, a top 10, top 12 offense. So you feel really good about that on defense is where it gets tricky because you have so much money tied up into linebackers and Corey Littleton and Nick Kakowski. You have a ton of money tied up into Lamarcus Joyner, joiner your slot corner you drafted two corners over the last two years it's really the defensive line that needs a lot of work but this doesn't project to be a great you know draft class for defensive ends and defensive tackles so my advice to the raiders would be find the best defensive players i don't care what position they're at just continue to pump assets into that side of the ball because I don't think there's really I don't think there's really any cornerstones or building blocks on this defense outside of maybe Max Crosby and Farrell. So you just need talent anywhere you can get it. So let's see uh, you know just 3 4 picks on that side of the ball, spend some money in free agency and maybe maybe you'll have a chance next year.
2: Well Marcus, you're the perfect guy to cover the Raiders cuz you live in Vegas, right? So you're you're out there the Raiders are out. We know that. But who would you? Who are you betting on in the AFC? Is it the Chiefs, or do you see like a dark horse coming to catch them? Do you see the Bills making some noise? I kind of like the Bills. What do you think about the AFC? Like, uh, what team you think is going to come out eventually? Who would you? Well, um, who would you be betting on?
3: Here's the thing: if I'm betting, I'm looking for value, right? Exactly. There's just not exactly. a lot. There's not a lot of value in Kansas City right now, no. and I even think Buffalo is creeping up to a point where there's not a lot of value there either. So I'm probably sticking with the Steelers. I know, I know the, the last month has been rough, but that is still a defense that gets a ton of turnovers. They have a veteran quarterback. They have a veteran head coach. They're going to have a home playoff game. Can they rush the passer against teams like Mahomes and Josh Allen? Absolutely. Uh, and I think that defense has a chance to to carry them to potentially the Super Bowl. And, you know, once once we get into some of these big games, they're going to be more experienced than just about any team they're playing. So in terms of value, I still like the Steelers quite a bit.
2: All right, man. So as we said before we started recording today, if I'm ever in Vegas, I'm going to hit you up. Now, we've done this show for three months together, and we've never met. Did we just talk on the nope. phone. We've gone through so much together, Marcus. Including, yeah, so, so including, romantic. Yeah, yeah so, <laughs> so much so. There's some highs, some lows with the Raiders. You know, the, the, the birth of your child. I know I was I was yeah. kind of there with, that, with you for that as we recorded from the hospital room. Um, so just so many fun memories. But I want to extend this, the invitation to you. I don't know if you ever find your way to the East Coast. But if you're ever in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, don't come in the winter. Come in the summer. But if you ever find your way to Portsmouth, New Hampshire, that is a, that's a great city. I uh, live right outside of there. And you got to hit me up if you ever somehow find your way to New Hampshire. All right, my that, man. That's
3: that sounds fantastic. I, I'm from Erie, Pennsylvania, so I'm, I'm I'm aware of all the snow that you guys get out there. <laughs> yes, uh, it, it winter's not so bad, and you just got to find the right things to do in the in the snow.
2: That's true. Yeah, yeah. We could go bowling or something. I don't know. We'll <laughs> we figure something out. But so 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 what now? I know. I mean, you're going to keep covering the Raiders for the Raiders Wire. But now, are you are you rooting for the Cowboys to figure out a way to to get into the playoffs? Here, they're still alive. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm certainly still rooting for Dallas. I mean, it's been quite a crazy season over there, but uh, the, the NFL work never stops, right? We've got yeah. playoffs here in a couple of weeks. We've got the senior bowl uh, in just three weeks from now. So getting ready to start scouting prospects and my combines coming up. So it's going to be a busy offseason and uh, we'll make sure we have it all covered for you guys here. at The Raiders wire.
2: We'll see what the future holds. But for now. I just want to say, Marcus, I appreciate I, – I really did appreciate doing the show with you. I appreciate all the listeners out there that made this show that kind of came out of nowhere this year and uh, and kind of made it a success. So uh, thanks yeah, to everyone. Yeah, was a lot of fun. Yeah, man.
3: We're we're hopefully be back next year. That's the plan.
2: That's the plan. I hope so. So uh, for everyone that listened, thanks so much. And Marcus, thanks so much, man. It's been a blast.
0: Thanks, Ryan.